Alrighty, I just realized I don't know how to start the show. <laughs> I feel like that's tradition. Yeah, it is. Welcome to the Mushroom Movie Podcast, I guess. Oh, well. Oh, well. Um, so I'm trying to look up the news here. And the internet and the computers being slow. You would think because we're doing the Mission Impossible series, you would do one of their themes, but I know. Silence is good too. Copyright. We're we're we're, we're everywhere now. I have to be careful. That's true. That's true. Okay, that. I don't want to get sued. Nope. <laughs> Everything load. Uh, okay. Uh, Everything's just. So, what do you think? You're just looking at news right now? I'm looking at news right now. I'm not seeing anything. Other than football's back, everyone. It? Football's back. Uh, okay, fair enough. So. But people who are listening to this probably don't watch football, so. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, I don't know. I don't Never. know. Have you seen anything recently that you wanted to talk about? No. Honestly not. Uh, no. Um. 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 I guess. Um, so, um, I think like two weeks ago I meant to say, that was last week. Um, I meant to say that uh, my mom just said like, you know what? Let's go see Aladdin. We all went to see Aladdin. And, uh... It was actually kind of a blast. Not gonna lie. It was pretty fun. Okay. It's good to hear. Yeah, it's like... (coughs) It was like... I'm not going into this with the best expectations, given... Like... Track record for these, uh... Disney remakes, but... They they actually managed to... Pulse on, pulse on the other was like legit fun. I thought Will Smith was pretty good as Genie, honestly. Like, nothing will compare to Robin Williams, but my goodness, he. Of course, but that was something you were afraid of. Yeah. When as soon as everybody saw uh, Blueface, everybody's like, "This is not going to end well." And I thought it. I thought it was pretty good. Yeah, everyone was pretty nervous when Will Smith blew himself, but. It's too late at night for that man. It's too late. Oh, come on. I can't take that. That's arrested development. You just (laughs) set me up. I knocked it down. (laughs) Oh, man. So, Um, yeah. um, yeah. My dad got a lab. And I was going to watch it, and I asked him if he watched it, and he's like, I started it, and then it turned out to be a musical, and I wasn't in it. Because apparently he doesn't like musicals, and I didn't really know that. He, I'm like, you don't like musicals? He's like, I like Moulin Rouge, and I'm like, that's a jukebox musical, though. He's like, what's that? I'm like, it's songs that you already know. So you're already going into the music knowing that you like it, along with the spectacle and all that stuff. And he was like, no, no, I, I, I like those.
those songs. Like, I like that musical. I'm like, you don't get what I'm saying. He's like, no, no. And he just named another jukebox musical. And I was like, oh, no. That's what he likes. Right. My mom's like, my mom's the exact same way. She doesn't like live action musicals. She only likes the cartoons. And she didn't know that Weird. Aladdin was going to be a musical. <laughs> And I'm like, what did you expect? I showed you Beauty and the Beast. I told you, like, I showed you what it was going to be. Yeah, the most the most important thing about these old movies and bringing them back is the music. Well, Mulan's going to be different, so. I hope they just have that one song, like, in the background somewhere, like it's in the theme of the movie. That'd be great. No, that's what they're going to do. They're going to have the songs incorporated into the score. That's all I want. That's all I wanted from The Lion King. Well, that's not what we got. Anyway, but, uh... Yeah, there's not much... There's there's nothing for news, honestly. I'm looking here. It's just nothing. Yeah, I was trying to think myself if there's anything you guys would be interested in i mean it it two reviews came out and that that's kind of interesting but uh, oh yeah joker happened joker that's right is apparently really freaking good and by good i mean well from what i'm hearing masterpiece oh like apparently at uh what is it? Toronto Inter- International? No, Telluride International Film Festival. Um, yeah. Apparently, it got an eight-minute standing ovation. That's a lot of sore hands. That that is pretty close to. I think Tarantino had ten minutes for his Once Upon a Time in Hollywood at Cannes. Interesting. Yeah, like, just eight, ten minutes, those are long periods of time to be uh, getting standing ovations, apparently. Yeah. So, man, I guess I, gotta, I guess I guess we gotta go see it to, uh, believe it. I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty stoked. I really want to see what they do. Apparently they're not, they're not explicitly deriving from any specific comic. They're they're just telling its own they're telling their own story with it. It sounds like they're making uh, Taxi Driver or King of Comedy just with the Joker. Yeah, and uh, that's fine. There's actually uh, one article going around though that is like, do we really need more movies like that? Movies like that or Fight Club, where the point is there, but it also glamorizes the thing that it is condemning. And idiots will watch it and go, oh, well, that's cool. I want to be that. And I, I don't think that's the artist's fault, especially when they're trying to make the point that, yes, this stuff is uh, a temptation. Yeah, it's, it's something that is, that is uh, tantalizing. But at the end of the day, it will eat you alive. You will suffer for it and all those things. But people rarely ever think about the end of those stories. That's why so many people in college... Uh, or or gangsters have Scarface on their wall. Did they ever finish the movie? Like the guy went down hard. <clears throat> yeah. Say hello to my little friend, and then he gets 
mowed down. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Most people tend to forget about stuff when it comes to these sort of movies. So, so there was one article going out saying the Joker perpetuates this idea that we shouldn't make movies like this anymore. Well, you should uh, be more. Uh, we should be more careful about the art we put out. And I do think that there is merit to that opinion, but I don't think. I, I just. I don't think you should censor art. I really don't. I mean, you can't. You can't be held responsible for how people respond to your art unless there is a specific, like, bad message. Like, Birth of a Nation is a very racist movie. No matter what, you can't get around it. It's just, it is racist. And something like this, you can say, well, yeah, it, it is a movie about an angry white man who decides to use violence uh, and murder to get what he wants. Is pretty close to the world we live in now when it's like every other day there's another mass shooting. By a white guy who's angry so I get what they're saying but at the end of the day these movies exist for a reason like he's not telling us to empathize with these people but it, if the movie is done well hopefully it talks about how Gotham creates a lot of these people how systematic oppression brought out all the problems that created all the villains and, and I, Gotham is a very bad place so yeah. if you can if you can make that a proper metaphor for the real world, then it'll work as both fiction and a metaphor. But I I see what they're saying, but I don't necessarily agree. Just because a white guy goes out, grabs a gun, and uses this movie as a manifesto doesn't mean it's the movie's fault. It just means we have more angry white idiot like running around shooting people because they're not getting what they want anymore. That there's a bigger problem to that than art. There just is. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, Joker's coming out. Outside um, of that, I also it was good. Outside of that, I also heard it was good. Yeah, like really good. Like apparently, Joaquin Phoenix apparently his depiction of Joker rivals Heath Ledger, and that is what I was looking for out of this movie, out of the reactions for this movie. Like, does he? Does he? Like, is it close? And if it's close, then. You got something special. I. It's really interesting because we actually get to see an origin to this Joker. We get to see him go from A to B. And one of the best things about Ledger's Joker that added to his performance was the mystery to him. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. I've always loved Joaquin. Like, ever since Buffalo Soldiers in the 90s. He... He's really good, and I and I'm excited to see what he does when he actually gets the makeup on, as opposed to when he's Arthur. Because Arthur, um, I like what I'm seeing, but they haven't shown us a lot of Joker, so I'm excited. I'm excited to see what happens when those curtains open. Um, he just turns into George Romero. <laughs> ha. Um, let's see. Wait, is wait. Is it chapter two coming out this weekend? It is. It came out tonight, yeah. Oh. Well, I'm sure that'll be fun for people who enjoy that kind of thing. Well, here's the thing. I I watched it with Zach a little bit ago. And I've been taking some time to think about what I watched when we saw the first movie. And then I, and then I was like... I was telling my sister about it. I was like, the monsters in it are actually kind of adorable to me. And not really scary. 
And a lot of the things that are added to the jump scares when it comes to Pennywise, there's a lot of like weird CGI camera stuff, uh, uh, loud noises stuff that like Pennywise is freaky in and of himself, and I think the performance is good. But they add all this stuff to it, really just kind of takes it away for me. So I really wasn't that scared when I watched the movie. And the thing that people were saying about it too is that Bill Hader is great. A lot of the um, by the end of the movie, which is almost three hours long. Good uh, lord! You really, he's a good time. And people are saying that they do like it, that it looks good, sounds good, all the stuff. That Bill Hader and another guy are, are big standouts that aren't James McAvoy or Jessica Janstein. But uh, most of them are saying that it's not scary, that it needed more Pennywise, that it's actually, it's more... It, <sighs> It's not. It's really not that scary, which to me makes sense because I didn't think the first movie was that scary. I thought it was more like the kids were great, and then they keep going through different scary things. Only one of them really scared me, and even then, it wasn't the jump scare. It was just something eerie about the scene. It seems like the same thing happens here in the second one, where they all go back to town, and then they just keep each one and keeps getting a different scare happen to them until they all get together and say we need to stop it, and then they do which is fine, but if it's not scary, then I, what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, you and Zach have fun with that one. So. <laughs> um. I may just wait. I, I don't know if I want to spend three hours in a theater with that. I mean, I liked it, but I didn't love it enough that I think I wouldn't want to spend three hours in a theater watching, uh, watching it too. Um, the, so, the day is approaching, if you know what I'm talking about. Absolutely. Do you know how many seats they have left today? Time to check, time to check, time to check. 86. I furiously type. I checked today, they had 86 seats. Oh no, they're selling! You gotta be kidding me! <laughs> out of town family? Oh. <laughs> oh man! You really sold on the idea that we're gonna be the only ones from the outside that are gonna see this. Yeah, the rest is going to be family, the people who made the movie, and then they're going to go out to dinner, and they're going to be like, hey, do you want to come? And we will, and then we'll totally ditch the bill on them. <laughs> oh, no. No, I am... Yeah, well, that... I cannot, in good conscience, do that. Hold on. What in the world? Can't I Google this? All right, back to Google. Let's just go to search. There we go. Oh man, <laughs> oh man. I think I think tomorrow tomorrow's payday for me, so I can I can purchase my ticket at that point. Same here. That's why I was checking seats. I didn't know if they were gonna sell out. That's not how you spell cinema. They're not. Sin Mia. 
Yeah, here, I get paid tomorrow, and I was like, oh, I'll just double-check it. They're oh, selling quickly. Oh, man. <laughs> this is happening. <laughs> For those of you who don't know, there's this movie called Surfer Teen Confronts Fear. I, I, I have to remember... I have to remember... The exact episode I shared that Vice article on it. Like, I have to go back. And... I'm not sure. Oh, man. It was... Uh, it was early days. Was it Star Wars, though? Or was it after... Do you think it was after Star Wars? Probably after. Okay. Maybe think, around Last Jedi or something. I'm thinking like... Originals. I'm thinking like... Um, maybe A-Team. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, somewhere in there. Yeah, somewhere in there. Maybe not Willow. Pat. Yeah, maybe maybe not Willow. Though that was a pretty hilarious episode. I'm, it was. I, <laughs> I, I'm thinking maybe before Jurassic Park. At the very least. Oh, yeah, yeah, at the very least, like, way before Jurassic Park. I'm talking, like, it was, like, right around latter half Star Wars and post-Star Wars. Like, immediate post-Star Wars. Like, that's what I'm thinking. I see. I see. I don't see. Even Jurassic Park feels like it was, like, forever ago. Wait a minute. Where'd it go? I'm, I'm not looking myself. I'm just trying to think back. Where did it happening? go? Hold on. Take me to that website. Why is it not working? Come on, computer. Work with me. Take me down to the Paradise City. Where the grass is green. And the girls are pretty. Oh, I was thinking of uh, Old Town Road. I honestly could not sing that song if you asked me. I have successfully... Well. <laughs> Come on. Okay. I mean, I can sing the chorus. Everyone can sing the chorus. It's a pretty good chorus. Okay, here. I'm going to see if I can navigate here. All right. Uh. Uh, uh, there we go. Actually, I can just do that. Hold on. There we go. September 8, whoops, 18. Yes, there it is. Okay. Yeah. I see it. 86 seats available Surfer, still. <laughs> 86 yeah okay tomorrow I'm gonna buy I'm gonna Out buy my seats we have to communicate make sure we get make sure we get make sure we get <laughs> this is happening I, just, I, I can't get you, over this is happening I think you just there are no assigned seats I think you just sit anywhere oh okay oh my god <laughs> oh man okay so listen to this synopsis okay 
Though it had to have been early last year. So it had to have been after... Um, had to have been after uh, um, Last Jedi. So, synopsis. Surfing since, as a, sur- surfing since as young as he can remember, at the age of 13, Sage is crippled by fear <laughs> after suffering a wipeout on a huge wave. The wave slammed him to the bottom and held and held him pinned there without air until he nearly died. With his whole life still ahead of him, yet now paralyzed by fear, Sage, Sage no longer surfs the waves, but unable to ignore the mystical and powerful pull of the ocean, he fishes in the surf and finds more than he bargained for. <laughs> oh, man. Of course. <sighs> That's from here. Oh, man. I can't. I can't wait. I'm excited. I am really excited. Okay. We're going to get our seats. Only six seats are sold. So. So they originally started with 90 seats. <laughs> yeah. Now six seats are sold. We don't know who these people are. They may just be local people. They may be people who worked on the film. <laughs> we don't know. Yeah. That's the best part, is that we don't know who we're going to see this movie with. It'll be a surprise. This is going to be, this is going to be one for the ages. Um, okay. Um, since there's no, um, since there seems to be no other news or anything worth talking about. Ooh. Yeah, that game sucks. Um, Okay. We've come to the end. Fallout. Our mission at the end will be accomplished. Mission accomplished. Mission Impossible Fallout. Oh, man. The latest and greatest. Latest and possibly greatest. God, this film was so much fun. I... It really is. I loved this movie. I absolutely loved it. Just so much fun. I it like it. It looks great. It moves great. The soundtrack by Lauren Balfe, who is, ah, uh, uh, I just I come from a percussionist family. My dad's side is like mostly percussionists, and just the bongos that keep going. Just that quicken the pace and the tension it's like oh man this is my jam and so um like just like like that and then the whole thing just looks so good and then it's then the added tension of it's actually tom cruise doing all this like i know he's done it all yeah before, like oh my gosh, dude, you have to take it away. I just I can't put it into words. This movie, this movie's so great. Like, I absolutely love this movie. Yeah, I. Uh, it really is kind of shocking to see where McGuire has come from to this, because this is like. Not only are the set pieces good, like everything in between is great. That's what I was kind of down about when it came to. Rogue Nation, that is certainly not the case here. It, it, everything, it kind of starts off a little bit odd, 
a little bit clumsy with with his dream, but right when I I I, I <sighs> it's, it's, it's just like an awe. Like, <laughs> there there's just something easy about this movie, despite how technically uh, crazy it is. And I think the first thing I noticed was they're doing this mission. Him, Luther, and Benji, and Tom Cruise is smiling. Yeah! I just thought it was so weird. He's, like, smiling and joking with Benji. He's like, everything's cool, man. We're, we're good. Like, we're just, everything's gonna go fine. And Benji's like, I've got this bad feeling. I think something weird's gonna happen. And I just thought it was so crazy, because the next thing you see is Wolf Blitzer talking about the the cities that have like gone up and it's like what the he- what the hell is going on right now and that's the trick and you realize oh my god it's just like the first movie where they tricked that person into thinking they killed someone and then all of a sudden the credits start and you're like oh my god there's credits to this movie like it's just I feel like this movie is jazz oh man yes every note happens at the unexpected time but still the best time the what? editing is interesting. The scenes is just sort of happen. The more you watch the movie, the more you get it. The first time you see it, it, it may be a little bit weird, but it works really well. I don't think it's trying to hide its secrets, like who the bad guy is and all that stuff, but that's not the point. The point is for it to have a good time. For Ethan, Ethan's having dreams. He's having daydreams about shooting a cop and what that might mean. Like That, that kind of stuff is really interesting. You're really getting inside the head of this guy visually the way that they have it in other movies. And I do like that because it, it breaks up the monotony of the scenes if you don't have character development. And to be honest, again, there really isn't a lot of character development here until the last 30 minutes. And then and then everyone comes together. Everyone in the cast is perfect. Michelle Monaghan's doing really well. Luther's joking. And it all works. It's almost like I would watch... By the end of that movie, I would watch a whole other movie with just those people. So this movie, I kind of like gets off on this weird foot, has a weird pattern and a weird rhythm, eventually comes together so well in its last 30 minutes that it's it's actually kind of shocking. <laughs> it's... Considering all the action scenes are amazing. Yes, like, for me, like, start to finish, I'm in. Like, it was just... Uh... <laughs> um... It was, uh... Just an amazing, just an amazing thrill ride. Like okay. I also think it's interesting that they decide who this time around. They put just as much effort and time into setting up Tom Cruise pulling Max's daughter out of a club and how that fight scene works with Rebecca Ferguson as much as they do them jumping out of an airplane because they did jump out of an airplane. Yes, they did. That, in that fact, jump out real. of an airplane. They shot that. That's crazy. Like, I'm just like, I'm crazy. wondering, like, the whole time, like, there's no way this is real. Up without a helmet, driving around Paris, that's crazy. Yeah, just... <clears throat> like, he re- they really... This time... I'm just like, hold on, dude, hold on. I'm... I think I'm losing connection here, hold on. Okay, hold on. There's a connection here. There's a poor network connection. Hold on. Stand by, everybody. 
Okay, yeah. Stand by, everybody. Hold on. We're going to get Alex back here. Okay, we're back. And I was like, lay your hand off my chicken. Oh, we're back. <laughs> All right. Okay, that was good. Um, <clears throat> so, like... Story aside for later. <laughs> so, it's just... Oh, man. This movie, I can't, I honestly just cannot put into words. This movie is just so good. And, like, oh, I, no. like, when I was watching, when I was watching this movie, I had a similar feeling. Oh, wait, did I lose him again? Did I lose you again? I lost him again. Okay, for goodness sake, my phone, for whatever reason, is just having a heyday with me. I don't know what's going on, but... Odd. Odd. Okay, we're still going, though. Um, when I... What I was going to say is, like, when I was watching this, I was reminded of, like, Fury Road, to be completely honest. Like, when I watched Fury Road, I'm just having, like, a complete blast watching this, like... From set piece to set piece, it's just, like, great. And it's like, um, and it, and it doesn't, it, there's, like, and the stuff in between, like, unlike in Fury Road, it's like, the stuff in between works, and is like, no, not that, it, not that it, the stuff in between Fury Road, the set pieces in Fury Road didn't work, I was just like, the stuff in between this movie um, was like was also in a way for me interesting, and then when it kicked, and then it just like oh man, it, like, these last two McCoy films just have a way with me. Like I just like it, it's his style, like his style, like his visual style in this movie is, like, super clean, and it's kind of, like, and it's, like, it's, it's, it's and it's weird, too, because, like, okay, I'm getting technical here. <clears throat> I'm getting technical. So, like, usually, in a, usually with, like, shot over shot, you have, like, um, um, in a standard shot, like, the character has look space, so if the character is looking right, they'll be on the right third facing towards the left third, but instead that, so then that gives look space across the frame. Instead, McCory puts the um, puts the subject facing um, the left, facing the left of the frame and then going and then, <clears throat> okay, hold on. So, I got you. <laughs> um, not, it went from my phone to my throat. Um, so he'll put the subject on the left third, looking, uh, facing towards the left, and that's how that frame is set up. 
and then it's shot reverse shot from there. And that is so weird and so cool. I just like I appreciate that. I just like how that's set up to me. I just I just like that. I don't know why. That little thing that he does with this whole with um with how he handles look space. I don't know like it's well, the little things that get me sometimes, I'm telling you. Well, that's the kind of thing that I feel like is set, I don't know, but is meant to put the audience, at, like, a little bit off to make them pay attention a little bit more. Not necessarily make them feel uncomfortable like a horror movie, but make them go, huh, this is, something's different about this that I like and I don't know. And I think it's also because not only is he doing that, he's still filling up the frame with information. Yes. Is it just necessary? Every single corner of the frame is used pretty efficiently. Yes. Like, it's just... That's, like, this movie is the movie that made me fall in love with Macquarie. It's this movie right here. Like, I like Way of the Gun, and I really... And I love Rogue Nation. But it was this movie right here, I'm like... This guy is great at what he does. Just like I remember, I remember thinking the way that the gun is really weird, and thinking he would always be a writer after that. And then he made Jack Reacher, and I watched it. I was like, okay, this movie's okay, but he likes to tell information with the camera. He's a he's way more of a visual storyteller than I ever thought. I thought since he was a writer, he would be all about dialogue, like his first movie that made him famous would be. But he's gone on like such Jack Reacher to really just elevate the way he tells things visually, and and in like the span of two movies, it's ridiculous. Not only that, but the camera in this movie compared to Rogue Nation is better too. So it's a it's just a slicker looking movie with every single inch of the frame being used. All the edits are odd and. It, it, all the information is being told in these different ways than we've ever received them through the series. Daydreams. Normal dreams. Calling people back. Calling villains back. It's all its all really cool, especially when you look at the, the action set pieces and you realize they're pretty much just taken from other movies. Like, the fight scene in the bathroom is anything from the raid or anything like that that's been happening recently in, like, hand-to-hand combat movies. Korea is just killing it. The Philippines are killing it with that kind of stuff, and it's really inspiring people to the point that the raid people are showing up in Star Wars movies. But then you look at um, them trying to get uh, Sean Harris out. That's that's almost exactly like The Dark Knight. The way it's set up, the way it looks, like how the cars come in, I just kept thinking, Dark Knight. Dude. And it's not a bad thing, it's just picking really interesting movies to say, I like this. And even that, it's not even just darkness. It's heat, too. A lot of it looks like heat in that moment when he's shooting the cop in his head. And, yeah, it's, it's, he's, I feel like he's giving these love letter scenes to the action films that have been becoming big lately. He's, like, really responding to them. Not necessarily copying, but saying, I love those movies, I want to do something like that in my movie. Um, people did say, coming, when this movie came out, I remember, it's like, they people were saying like this is the dark night of Mission Impossible. In terms of quality, maybe. But I think if we're comparing it to the Dark Knight, they're 
two completely different movies, but, um, I wouldn't say it's the Dark Knight with how just, because the Dark Knight had a huge impact on a genre that was pretty, that really hadn't exactly found its ground yet. All it had was, like, the X-Men and, um... And, uh, Spider-Man. Sam Raimi's Spider-Man. Um, I... I just think, like... I, it's For me, it's more like Fury Road, where it's just, like, a very innovative and... very innovative and efficient action movie that a lot of people, like, are gonna be talking about for a while. I think. Like, a very memorable action film. Agreed. I don't think it's trying to strive to say anything outside of just excel at being entertaining. Yes. The the thing is actually trying to say something about its characters, about the city, about the world we lived in at the time, especially when 2008 was, like, the peak of our uh, grief-slash-insanity uh, since 9-11. There's a lot going on in that movie. And this one, I think it has a lot of the same sort of movement of camera. One of the interesting things I love about The Dark Knight is the camera's almost always moving. It's very rarely ever still. And this movie, I don't think it necessarily does that all the time, but it it tries to keep the movie going visually. There's always something kinetic happening within the frame, unless it has to stop and give you information. And usually that information is just exposition and time for you to go to the bathroom and stuff, but Especially when you can pretty much tell who the bad guy is right away. Right. But it doesn't mean you're not having a good time as you're watching it. Right. For sure. Um, just like, oh man, every step of this movie. Where do we even start with the freaking set pieces? They jump out of a plane, Alex. They jump out of a plane. He's dangling in a helicopter. He broke his ankle is he did a scene with the camera doing that. Um, I don't remember what set piece it was, but he was doing something with the camera moving like that. And he and I just thought it was so cool because in this movie, he not only continues to do that with the, the skydiving scene, it's skydiving, and they're actually doing it. So it's one thing to like have a scene where you try this interesting camera move. It's another thing to be like, okay, I'm going to do the same interesting camera move in a, in a really technical action set piece that people could die in and I was like oh my god that's crazy he was practicing on something simple before he did it on something hard because he just always had that move in his back pocket I thought that was great um this movie also gives credence to the people who think that there should be a like best stunt team award at the Oscars or the Golden Globes or whatever, which I wholeheartedly agree, especially after watching this movie. Because the stunts in this movie are insane. And of very... They should be held to a very high regard. Like, the highest regard. Yeah, I feel like we're having a really strong renaissance of good action films over the last I'd say like five years something like that, and uh, it's really 
it is really telling that they haven't put anything for stuntmen in any of their major award shows. Because people love action films, and a lot of this stuff is getting more practical these days, and that's why people are going and, and enjoying it. And, yeah, it's uh, long overdue. Right. Um, like, I still watch that bathroom scene, and it's like... Um, oh, yeah. It's like, I can't believe that... Like, when you told me that took three months to make, I'm like... Wow, that took three months. That's like if, that's like that one scene, like the bank, like the bank lobby scene in the Matrix. Like they built two sets in case they needed to go back and do something. Like it's like that if it. It sounds like that if it had, like if they just could not get something. Like. Right and oh man, how long did that take to shoot? Oh boy. Actually, I was wrong. It didn't take three months. It took a little over three weeks. So basically, it took one month. Uh, but it was okay, that sounds more. Days. That sounds more like. That sounds more like. That one sounds more like it. Actually, I was wrong. Oh, okay. Fake news, everybody. Oh, I was trying to make America great again. I screwed up. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we have Tom Cruise for. Um, Yikes. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, okay, then, like, the whole, like, um, wasn't the London chase, it was the, weren't they in, um, on the motorcycle? Yeah, in France. Weren't they in France? Yeah, yeah it's actually a um, a uh, a callback to an old '60s short film where someone uh, someone made a like car chase in Paris and uh, they didn't get a permit for it and the director almost went to jail for it. <laughs> Gotta love art, man. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. They'll do anything. Um. So like, I think that was probably my like my favorite series of sequences because like, first off, it starts with him crashing the police truck into the river and nearly drowning John Harris, and then it goes from there. They're chasing on a truck, and then on the motorcycles, and he's weaving through oncoming traffic. Yeah. It's crazy. It's great. Like, that's crazy. And then he freaking... And then he turns behind him... He turns He turns his head once. And then he freaking launched off a motorcycle onto concrete. And he walks away. Yeah. He's indestructible. Um, he really is a superhero in this movie. He is. Um, I'm just like... He better limp. And then he starts limping. I'm like, thank God he at least limped. <laughs> and then... There's the the whole thing... Where... There's the whole thing where they're trying to get... The, like, the, as soon as they set foot in Paris, they, they just do not let the... They just not... They do not... As soon as he crashes that, uh... 
that uh, police truck, they don't let the foot off the gas for one second until, um, no, like, even into, even into London, they don't, they don't take their foot off the gas until after London, until he's, like, on the roof looking at them fly away. Like, they do not let the foot off the gas for a while, because it's like, they get the thing out of uh, Sean Harris's neck, and there's that, and there's that exchange, and then... There's the car chase with Ilsa, which is great, and that's Tom Cruise driving the car the whole time. Um, just, it's it's. Oh man, this movie is so good. Yeah, they really give you a chance to breathe after that uh, initial police raid. Uh, yeah, it's just super fun because it's just one thing after another. Like he knocks the truck in, Sean Harris is drowning. The people are falling out of the truck. People are shooting at Ethan Hunt. Uh, it, it's a lot of wheels and plates are spinning, but it, it's all really elegant. The colors are great. Um, the blue of the water versus the gray of the city is pretty. It's it, <clears throat> it actually really odd how how beautiful this movie is at times when it really shouldn't be. They're, like the reflections on the glass and just the way the camera gets in front of the truck or moves around a specific uh, crash that's happening. It's just, all this is really elegant in the way it portrays its action. If the first movie was just an elegant movie, there's an elegance to the way this is an action movie. Um, I think my favorite part of that whole time, they just went through all that chaos of the motorcycle scene, they, uh, they managed to get the thing out of a, they're about to do the car, they're about to get into the car in the garage, right? Like, everything's, everything's smooth. Like, they cut out all sound design just for the score as they're escorting um, Sean Harris to the car. And then they finally open the door and there's a cop. Just a random traffic cop right there. Like, that is my jam. Just the things you don't see coming. It's like, of course there's a traffic cop there. It's just... That's where you put it. They could have just... They could have just had... They could have just went straight into... The... Chase with Elsa. But no, they had that traffic cop there... And Ethan... Gunning down four people. John Wick style. And... They... They put that there. And I appreciate stuff like that. Like... It's just tension after tension. like... Okay, we can breathe. Look, there's a traffic cop. They're going to get got. <laughs> it's great. Oh, man. This reminds me a lot of the way the gun and how weird that was, too. Just like, you don't expect them to drive the trucks into a narrow alleyway and then kick out the front window for them to get to already parked motorcycles. That's great. It is. Like, just... Oh, gosh. And then, like... Then there was the whole, like... Then we had the whole thing with Tom Cruise sprinting. Gosh, that guy. I'm telling you, in another life, he'd be a track star. Um, he is a track star. Interesting. Um, so, just, oh, man. And here's the one thing, the one thing, if I have to criticize this film for one thing, I think they killed off Alec Baldwin too soon. If I'm being completely honest, I think they killed him off too soon. 
couple of things. A, he lasted longer than any other senator in the series. That is true. That's the Just thing about it. Uh, and then the other thing is that was supposed to be Brant. Oh, then he had oh, Brant was on assignment. He was actually saving the world. Um, uh, like space. they asked him to come and get shot because he's still contractually obligated to do one more Mission Impossible movie. But he was like, "Nah, I'm just gonna go do Marvel. I don't want to. I don't want to die. Thanks. <laughs> I don't want to die right before my uh, my uh, my big my big blockbuster that made infinitely more money than this movie did um, somehow. Um, Show. Wait, he was in a TV show? What show? He's gonna have Hawkeye. Oh, right. Uh, Hawkeye. Duh. Um. Also, did you hear his app? Apparently, yeah. is shutting down because <laughs> trolls kept impersonating him on his own app. It took two years, but I, it was bound to happen. Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing. That app is two years old. I'm just now realizing he has his own app. I'm just finding yeah. this out. He's like he made an app so that people could stay in touch with him and see like his life and stuff. And I'm like, that's what that's what fucking social media is. <laughs> Jared, get get out of your own head. <laughs> I was a brainwashed guy with a bow and arrow in the first Avengers movie. I'm just gonna make my own app. I'm gonna go make an album. He's not a bad singer. Um, I've heard one song and I agree he's not that bad. Yeah, he's better than me at least. Um, man, and then just like the whole village scene. Like you're trying to figure out why he would have two nuclear bombs that are like 50 times bigger than uh, Big Boy and uh, Little Man. And you're, and then just another shock. There's Michelle Moynihan, and, and then the the villain from um the first Hunger Games, and then um, uh, Wes Bentley. Wes Bent Wes Bentley. That's his name. I was trying to figure it out. Um. And so then there's the shock that, oh, crap, there, so then there's more mind games, because I think, like, something tells me that Solomon Lane always knew that he was in Ethan's head, for whatever reason. I feel like their last encounter, and that would have Ethan edge him out, but I don't know why Solomon Lane would be in his head anymore after Rogue Nation, because he... I don't... I mean, I think he was in Ethan's head when he killed that woman in front of him, but um, then when he put him in the box, I think Ethan was done with him. He was just, I'm, I'm done with you. I caught you. You're done. Goodbye. But then when he saw his picture and saw that he was the one who had to break him out, he things came back. And the reason is, Solomon is a, he's a formidable foe. He's uh, just as smart as Ethan, if not smarter. And he has followers, so Ethan has Ethan has a reason to be worried about him. But to say he's in his head, um, no more so than to say that he is as smart as Ethan and might be able to outsmart him from time to time. Like he's an equal. 
That much so. He keeps Ethan on his toes, but I don't know if he's necessarily in his head. Okay. Do you think... I think the first person to get in his head was Philip Seymour Hoffman with his wife in the airplane. Ah, true. Um, do you think... I'm not, I haven't seen the official cast. All I know is that everybody's coming back, including Rebecca Ferguson, for the next two movies that are being shot back-to-back. I'm not sure about Jeremy Renner, though. But, um... Uh, do you, th- do you think, like, cause, like, to me, I think the natural way to go is that, like, the, the third, shooting them back to back, you gotta think, like, the, the next Mission Impossible is pr- maybe not gonna end very well, cause I was coming into this, cause people told me, cause I, cause I had heard, like, it was the next, it was, like, the Dark Knight of, um... The Dark Knight of Mission Impossible, and The Dark Knight did not end on the best of terms for Batman. So, I thought this movie was going to be like a, kind of like a screw finish. Yeah, sure, they saved the world, but what did they really accomplish? What, like, they won the battle, but it's like, they, but, um, the war is just beginning or something like that. But then this movie kind of ended on like a, kind of like a, yeah, it kind of ended on a very, like, conclusive world. note, you know? Well, that saves the world. That's what we are. That's what I get when I watch this movie. But, like, anytime you see that two movies are going to be made at the same time, the first movie is almost never a complete story. Just, that's just how it is. Matrix, right. Lord of the Rings, Pirates of the Caribbean... Everyone, everyone that says they're going to make two movies at the same time, it's because it's the same story. So it's good. That's going to be interesting. Plus, plus, and another thing, how are they going to top this? I like, ponder that for a second. That's what's going to kill Tom Cruise. You really think so? Uh, jokingly, and also maybe not so much. What is he going to do, swallow a live grenade? Oh, I just think he'll, like, it's really easy to die, dude. It's super easy. Like, I mean, all you got to do is fall from the right height, crack your head, and you're done. They don't, they thought he was dead when he, during the helicopter chase, when he was uh, trying to get on the helicopter. Like, they thought they lost him at one point. I... I it's going to be interesting because I don't know if I now necessarily need amazing set pieces because it seems like with this film, McGuire has learned how to shoot action well in general. So a, a solid set piece with great direction is all I really need because all, all this movie really was uh, was a we're going to break a guy out of police barricade and then we're going to drive around Paris for a while. But it's un believably thrilling it's super entertaining it's about how they uh shoot it it's about where the camera is it's about the pacing of the editing it's about um the actual location uh and practical effects that are happening like the fact that tom cruise is that good of a driver and you get to actually see him make these driving moves like there's so many things going for it in terms of how they were able to shoot it that really makes this simple just car chase and police breakout uh Pretty awesome. 
Yeah, this, like... Oh, man. Dude, like... The winding... Like, I saw this movie in theaters with friends. I had a... Okay, I had two different... I had two different uh, friend, like, friends react to the movie in very striking ways. One friend, Kyle, he thought the nuke... He thought the nukes... He was convinced at three separate points in the movie that the nukes had gone off. And, like... But, he, yeah, and he's like... Oh, man. He's one of the brighter people I know, too. He's like, he was convinced, like, at, like, three different points in the movie that the nukes had gone off. It was the... It was the beginning... No, no, no. It was the dream sequence at the beginning... It was the Wolf Blitzer scene, and then at the end. Like, <laughs> that was... They had your friend, hook, line, and seeker. Kind of like uh, Henry Cavill's face. Um... Gosh, when I saw that, I'm like, gosh, what's a way to go? That's, that's, that's a terrible way to go. <laughs> You're watching this. Like that. Are you talking about the villain death? Yeah, uh, Henry Cavill's death. He just, yeah, oh, that's the way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see any of the other ones topping that, really. No. Uh, Somebody I think just it's gets the, shot, uh, or a gun gets kicked up from sand, and then he turns around and gets shot. Um, or run over by uh, Escalade. <laughs> uh, it, it seemed like a truck more than an Escalade, but they, uh, they fall from a great height. Yeah. It, it's just it's pretty awesome. I yeah. mean, you have because it's there's really only two people you can compare. There's really only one other death you can compare it to, and that's the train one. Red light, that, green light, explode after yes. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> uh, I personally love it, but. I gotta admit, this is the better one. I this think is so the too. Crazy, this is the crazy, insane one that's just awesome. Yes. Um, plus, like, the winding seconds. That's what I was trying to say. The winding seconds of this movie are just, like, just, like, so intense. And I, and I know how it's gonna end, but it still gets me. And that leads me to the second friend, my other friend, uh, uh, Becca. She's, like, like, she was just, like, having a heart attack every five minutes during that movie and like and then like, I can't, and then it made me think oh what was going when I was watching this I was watching this when I was watching the movie again I'm like what was going through her head during these last few seconds when that bomb's about to go off <laughs> and then it flashes white and then it, like oh man that's like that's like the greatest wind up and then release of like a seriously tense moment that I've seen executed in a while. It's just like like these nukes are gonna go off. It's like okay, on one we cut, like on one we cut. We don't know if Ethan got the pin or not, so we're just gonna bet that he did. And so on one they cut. It flashes white, like 
you're gripping, like, I'm gripping my chair. I remember this, I was in my chair gripping, <laughs> I, was, I remember this in the movie theater, I was gripping my chair, I'm like, it went off, didn't it? This movie ends, this movie ends in a bad finish, I'm like, nope, clear skies. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> just dropping in my chair, just like, holy cow, what a ride. Just like, that was better than any roller coaster I've ever been on. Just like, this movie is just so perfect. Just perfect. It is, it is thrilling. Like, okay. So, also Lauren Balfe's score is awesome as a family member of a, of a percussionist. And uh, Lauren Balfe did, uh, he did Lego Batman and low-key, one of my favorite scores uh, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2. Like, oh. he did he did that score with, uh, Han- yeah, dude, check check it out. It's one of my favorite Hans Zimmer scores. Um, he did, yeah, he did, he did that with, uh, he did that with, uh, Hans Zimmer, and it's one of my favorite scores. You should actually check it out. It's pretty, it's pretty sick. Um, okay. And so... Yeah, so... At the same time that you're saying this, I'm watching Henry Cavill die. Yeah. <laughs> Just on loop. Okay, one point before before we rank them, if that's something we do. Um, uh, do you think that with Henry Cavill's F-bomb and his death and John, the original John Lark's death in the bathroom... Do you think they're they're experimenting with a rated R Mission Impossible movie? And hook to the head. Okay. Uh, <laughs> uh, no. You don't think so? No. Tom Cruise wants to get as many people as possible to a theater. That okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I just thought, when I was thinking I'm watching, I was like, they really want they want to pull the trigger on it, don't they? Uh, no pun intended. Um, they really just want to do it. They like, but I'm like, ugh, it's just yeah, that makes sense. If he wants, that does sound like a, that does sound like a Tom Cruise thing to do. Um, well, like Tom Cruise will make rated R movies. Like the movie he made before this was American Made, which is not bad. Uh, and but it's a rated R movie. And but these are the movie Mission Impossible is a series meant for him to do anything he wants in his career and always use it as a fail safe. It's a safety net. He needs everyone to go to Mission Impossible so that he can make as much money as possible with him so that no matter what happens in his career, he can always just go back to these, which is a detriment as much as it is anything else. Which is why I don't want him to die so that Collateral will be the last one. <laughs> it just makes sense. Twist ending. Like, the nukes go off and that's what sets him off. It's LA was in touch. <laughs> oh, man. Um, okay. So, we've gone through every single Mission Impossible movie. Like, even two. And, just, I, I sat down and I thought about this. I'm like, and I think I'm confident in what I'm about to say. I think Fallout is my favorite Mission Impossible movie. 
Oh, you think? I think it is. I honestly believe it is. Because I really Shut. did not want to go with the easy answer, but it, I, I really think it is. It, I think it is my favorite Mission Impossible movie. I think there's a difference between an easy answer and an earned answer. Like it is earned. I just didn't want people to think like that. I was just biding my time to get to Fallout. Like I, I wanted to give each movie a During chance. Every episode, you kept saying, "I can't wait to get to Fallout." Oh, I can't wait to get to Fallout. Dang it! You're right. Ugh, what was I thinking? Dude, you love Fallout. I love wrong. Fallout. I I'm sorry. I do. I, I love Fallout. I watched it knowing my favorite was the first one. And everyone after it, I was going to watch and be like, is any of these going to steal my favorite spot? And to be honest, this one is pretty damn close. Fallout is really super close. As an action movie, it's just so perfect. Um, but I do love that first one. Just nostalgically, and also as a movie, I think it's tight as hell. But ranking-wise, uh, I think Fallout is the best. I think Ghost Protocol is after it. I think Rogue Nation is after that. I think three, then two, and then one I'm probably going to put after after this. Oh, man, just... As long as we agree that two is, like, one of the worst films ever made. Um, okay, no, it's not, but it's really bad. Really bad. It's pretty darn bad. Um it's like the surfer Tink confronts fear of this franchise. Um, can't wait. I can't wait. Um, <laughs> so, I think for me, from bottom to top, two at the like the bottom of the freaking ocean, um, uh, like chained to an anvil. Um, yeah. <laughs> Three. Wow. One. Oh, nice. What is above three? I can't believe it. Nice. Four, five, six. Yep. Oh, wow. Yeah, I like Rogue Nation more than Ghost Protocol, honestly. Fair enough. But, um... But yeah, I'd, I I really had to sit down and think about that. I was like, I like three. It's the one that got me in, but one was really tight, and red light, green light was really freaking funny and memorable. Um, red light, red light. And then the Langley scene, I had to put it over three. Three, like three is three is fun and its own thing, and just like it's more like nostalgic. Than anything, but I got it. I, like, in terms, if we're talking, if we're talking good, then honestly, yeah. I think one beats three. Um. Well, you know my stake on Ghost Protocol. I think it really, really helps the set pieces, where the character stuff is just as good. And I think Rogue Nation is a really good movie but this is like Fallout is such a step ahead it doesn't necessarily make Rogue Nation look like a piece of crap but it does highlight what makes Ghost Protocol really good because Rogue Nation just didn't figure out how to do that stuff yet right and uh yeah it's just 
This whole franchise is just like through like this whole journey. Also, you also yeah. You didn't talk about how Tom Cruise got from the Rogue Nation to here. You didn't talk about that. You 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 would normally you did want to highlight how he got here, right? To be to be honest, it's super. It's really quick, and the reason is because once he liked McGrady so much, he made this two years later. That's the thing. Like most Mission Impossible movies, they're about four or five years apart, something like that. Takes his time, figure out what he wants to do, get the director. No, he liked him, so he was like, okay, well. Since we rarely ever work with the script, McGray just figures something out. In the meantime, he did, um... Let's see. You said American Two? Man. He did The Mummy. Oh! That was bad. Uh-oh. <laughs> and then he did uh, American Made, which is actually pretty good. I like it. Doug Lyman, same guy who made uh, Live, Die, Repeat. Um, he, he is like oh American made that movie it's really good he's too old but it's, he's really good at it he's just he's totally miscast by age okay alright um yeah I forgot about American made I was still working in the movie theater when that came out that's Here's why I remember thing. it. Rogue Nation was really good, and he liked McGrady. McGrady was like, he made Jack Reacher, he made Valkyrie with him, he really liked him. And then, out of the movies that he made between uh, the third movie and the fourth movie, I'm sorry, the fourth movie and the fifth movie, uh, he liked Doug Lyman, and he liked McGrady. Lyman did Edge of Tomorrow, and McGrady did this one, and he said, both of you guys, uh, I'm going to give you a second chance. And since then, he has Top Gun, a second Edge of Tomorrow, and two more Mission Impossibles on the docket. And then one more serious movie that no one knows really too much about. So he's got his lineup, and guess who's behind most of those? Doug Lyman and Christopher Blurry. Yeah. It's just like he's found his niche. He's chiseled down the things that work, and he's like, okay, I got it. We're like, I'm not going to move. I took chances, and I'm not there yet. But you know what? Let's do a Top Gun. In the meantime, though, I've got Live, Die, Repeat 2 and Mission Impossible. These two things are guaranteed to make me money. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a chance with Top Gun. There you go. Just, yeah. His journey from the first one to here is so crazy. I do want to take a second to talk about The Mummy, though, because that is the outlier of everything. Oh, boy. So, I was not totally against Universal doing this whole dark universe thing of monsters. Um, but just like when the DCEU uh, came out and said that Zack Snyder is going to be heading everything, I knew it was going to fail from the start. It was doomed. When I heard the guy who was going to be writing and directing The Mummy for Tom Cruise, I was like, are you kidding me? This guy has never directed a movie before, and all the movies he's made have made money, but have over time really aged poorly. And people are like, "Oh, like he he made the second Star Trek," and movies like that. Just after a while, like you look back and you're like, "Oh, that that movie is really dumb. It was fun, but it was stupid." And 
I wasn't surprised when the mummy came out. It was a terrible movie. Granted, that whole trailer without the proper effects came out, and that was something people were laughing at. But really, the movie in and of itself is awful. It's because the guy had never made a movie, and every movie that he had written was not very good. So why Tom Cruise felt that he was the guy that spearhead this is beyond me. It, it boggles my mind why he chose this man. And it doesn't matter how much McGuire stepped in to try and fix things. At the end of the day, this guy, this was his project and his baby. And he decided, and I just don't get it. And, I'm, and I, I thought that, I think he was not going to do Edge of Tomorrow to if the mummy was working out because he was going to try and be it's Tony Stark and maybe he was going to do Top Gun 2 maybe not maybe he was going to wait a little bit longer but this was supposed to be the thing he was doing on the side of Mission Impossible and it went away very fast so now he's trying to fill those spots and I like that he chose Doug Lyman and everyone to come back from it for Edge of Tomorrow 2 and I like that he's taking a shot with Top Gun, too. I don't like Miles Teller that much, but I do think if they do it right, it could be a really strong love letter to Aviation and uh, Tony Scott, who made the first movie. I would really love it if they just gave them both extra respect. That would be cool. Yeah. Um... But, like, the, the the story between them is really, is really fast because... He made the movies so fast. Like, McGray was his man. He was in. He was like, okay, let's make another one right off the bat. That's why they brought Sean Harrison. He was like, okay, let's kind of make it a sequel to the last one. Let's just, like, let's just go. And then the mummy, the mummy just fell apart, and no one watched American Made, though they should have. So it's, it's interesting to me. He made a small movie that's really good that no one saw, and a big movie that's really bad that also no one saw. Also, like, just speaking of Sean Harris, unrecognizable. To me. With all the hair on him and everything? Yeah, just unrecognizable. Never would have guessed it was him. Yeah, he is pretty hairy. Out of context, I would have been like, two different people. Have to be. Same person? No way. That was Elsa. (laughs) Shut up. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Yeah, dude. Um, Um, Yeah. I'm interested to see, because... Yeah, it seems like if they're making both the Dex movies at the same time, it's going to be one whole story, like, Endgame style. But, will it be the end? That's my thing. How how much longer does he have in him? He's 60, right? He's over 60? Over. Good God. How much more can... Uh... We say the same thing about Harrison Ford. He's still going. Um, he's like fifteen years older than him. Yeah, but like, I don't think Harrison Ford was making movies like these at Tom Cruise's age. Oh, man, could you imagine? I'm sorry. Could you imagine Harrison Ford instead of Tom Cruise? No, seventy-nine years old. He's just the biggest curmudgeon. He's like, Luther, oh, I have to go rescue my wife. You stay here. <laughs> he tells Walker on the plane, get off my plane. Benji, stop fucking around on the screen. 
<laughs> oh man. <laughs> snakes. Why did it have to be snakes? <sighs> okay. Um. Obvious for me. A plus. I have to. I'm sorry. I have to. A plus. You're really thinking about this, aren't you? I, I honestly think he does take a hook to the head. <laughs> but after he gets after he gets oil in his face, like it, like Harvey Two Face style. Uh, I think this movie's gonna age really well over time. Uh, oh, very well. It's pra- the its practical stunts will uh, will to me will always live forever. I think the elegance of how the action was shot is going to be really good. It just, it, it, when I think of all the simple visual things that McGuire does in the beginning of Jack Reacher, just to highlight that there was a sniper and who he shot and how Jack Reacher gets to that point and location, it's all visual, it's all fun, and it's really interesting. And it seems like he's taking that quality and applied it to his action. And that is exactly why Mad Max is great. That is a silent movie. Every character, action, everything. Everything is told with the camera and what the people do. And a lot of that is here. Every single cut to something different in that car trace is shot differently. It's edited differently. Just just someone driving their motorcycle down a bunch of archway uh, archways underneath the train looks beautiful, keeps your pulse up, and it keeps the rhythm going. And that's just a quick three second thing and it's in the the chase is filled with them not to mention they have a pretty simple brawl hand-to-hand fight kung fu style in an all-white room completely sterile like it's a stanley kubrick movie there are so many interesting stylistic choices in terms of how they shoot their action either it's as simple as this is a fight or we're going to make this the most interesting looking car chase you've seen in a while that actually puts you there in the moment through its editing and its sound design. And it's just crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I'm going to give it an A+. Plus. Yeah. But, oh, man. Like, I'm going after... to give it an A+, plus because I think the jump from this, from Rogue Nation to this, is insane. And I also think the, the evolution of McGuire as a director to this point is pretty insane, because he only has Way of the Gun, Jack Reacher... Rogue Nation and this. He's got four movies. That's a that's a that's a heck of a strong first four movies. If I if I if you ask me. Yeah, not even just as not even just as a writer. He's written plenty of movies, but as someone behind a camera, his use of the camera in in the span of four movies, how it's evolved in four movies is it's I would say it's up there with people like Tarantino. Like Tarantino has a handful of movies, or P. T. Anderson. P. T. Anderson has a handful of movies, but every single movie that they do on to the next one, the evolution is insane. The the intelligence on to the next film is, is crazy. What he's able to do with the camera and how he tells the story visually from way the gun to this is... It's, it's jaw-dropping. It's, it's actually pretty amazing. It's films like these that I live for, honestly. Um, so, yeah. 
Mission Impossible Fallout. Ugh, what a great movie. Everybody go see it. Everybody. Mission accomplished. Um. <sighs> well. It's that time, Alex. We have oh, I farted. reached. <laughs> we have reached the end of a series. Since yes, we have. And since we have ended on a, since we ended this on the best possible note, we must spin the bad wheel. We must. Okay. Gonna be honest. I had a movie in mind, and then I forgot it. Crap. Um, did you have a movie in mind? I have two. I want. I, I was. Tr I'm trying to pick something other than her ticket to Hawaii. Can you think of a second one? No, I'm. I, I'm. You know, share your two first, and I might figure it out. Okay. So. <laughs> oh boy, okay. he's laughing. So there is. There is a movie. Uh, called The Watcher. Uh, it stars James Spader, Marissa Tomei, and Keanu Reeves. It is one of maybe three movies where he actually plays the villain. But he's not just a villain, he's a serial killer. This is a serial killer movie. James Spader is seeing a therapist, Marissa Tomei, and in the meantime he's trying to catch Keanu Reeves, who has followed him from another city because he is, like, he thinks that he thinks that they they they're made for each other. He's like, you're a cop, and I'm a serial killer. We're made for each other. We like. He thinks his he is his Joker, and I gotta tell you, Chris, it's one of the most insane performances for Keanu Reeves I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so, th here's the thing. In the spirit of Keanu, the guy who made this was a friend of Keanu's, and then. They had a falling out, but before they had their falling out, Keanu had signed at some point something that said that he would do a movie for this guy. This movie in particular. He was somehow contractually obligated. So by the time the movie actually got made, Keanu tried his hardest to get out of it, and he couldn't. And when he got on set, he was like, oh my god, this is going to be awful. You don't know what you're doing. This is insane. So he has a ball, Chris. He is enjoying, he's chewing so much scenery because he knows he's in a boring movie. He is just, oh, it's so much fun. It's so much fun, Chris. It's the greatest, you're watching the stupid, boring serial killer movie and then all of a sudden Keanu Reeves comes in and he acts like he's Robert Downey Jr. in Iron Man. Like Sam Rockwell in any movie. He's like dancing around. He's like, hey, Johnny's got a question for you. And you're like, oh my God, what are you doing, Keanu? You're like, because it's like he's also not fully committed to the film. He's committed to doing what he's doing, which is not helping anything. But also, he doesn't give a fuck. It's great. Oh, it's amazing. Chris, it's beautiful. Oh, it's amazing. Oh. It's one of the greatest nosedives in a movie I've ever seen in my life. It's beautiful. Okay. But the movie the movie is kind of boring outside of that. It takes a while before you get to the third act, and the third act, Keanu just kidnaps James Spader, and then he acts like an, a freak for 40 minutes. And it's like none of it makes sense. None of it. It's great. But that last 40 minutes is what you need to get to, um, and it's great. And then the other movie, um, have you ever heard of North? 
North? North. No. Okay, so there was a guy. His name was Rob Reiner. He was on TV for a bit on one of the greatest shows of all time called All in the Family, and then he eventually got his foot in the door in directing, making films like, oh, this is Spinal Tap, Stand By Me, um, American President, uh, When Harry Met Sally, uh, A Few Good Men. Oh my this God. Exactly. He had a few, there's yeah. a few gems in there. Exactly. You know, no, Rob Reiner was a, was a, an amazing director. And then something happened. A turn happened in the mid-90s, and he stopped making classics. Like, he just stopped. No one knows what happened. It's like Harold Ramis or a lot of the people from the... Like, I, I don't know. Maybe they all stopped doing drugs. But, I like, something happened. To all the people, all the funny people in the 80s, by the mid-90s, they just stopped making good stuff. Except for Albert Brooks. Albert Brooks is the man. Anyway. Uh, um... He made this movie called North. It, it, it is filled to the brim with stars because he was Rob Reiner. And it's a story about how Elijah Wood doesn't like his parents. So, somehow, after meeting Bruce Willis in a mall, uh, becomes famous for leaving his parents. And he becomes a national sensation... Uh, as someone who wants to be adopted for his own parents, he is going to choose his parents. And then the movie just gets, it gets batshit insane, Chris. Like, he goes to a house with actual Eskimos, and you're in an Eskimo house, and it's like, this is the most offensive thing I've ever seen. Like, what's going on right now? It's, it, it has Bruce Willis in a bunny suit eating carrots in a mall. Like, I don't know, I don't know how to explain this movie to you, Chris, because there are moments in it where, like, like, you think a kid has been shot in the head at one point. Like, I just don't know what Rob Reiner was thinking. It's one of, it, it was critically bombed. Chris, it ruined his career, and he never recovered. And it was the punching bag that they used 15 years later when he had a roast on Comedy Central. And the biggest joke of the night was, by the way, you're the guy who made North. And the crowd would laugh uproariously because everyone knows how bad North is. So, either The Watcher, where you get to see Keanu Reeves dance around and basically do whatever he wants in a movie he knows no one's ever going to see except for us, or uh, the movie that killed Rob Reiner. Okay, I have my. I think I have my two. Even though one of them's probably a joke answer. Um, or joke We're going entry. on a one. We're going to have to spin it with four answers, so make it count. 2003's Daredevil. For the, for I want to go the, back to the comic book well. Now, are you saying director's cut or not? No. Yeah, I hear the director's cut's kind of good. But regardless, just for the fight, flirting scene on the playground alone, I, I agree. <laughs> and I can't decide on my second. You brought up the mummy, and I'm like, ooh, that might be a good one. Uh, Hawaii. You said hard ticket. No, I, I, I wanted. I said I wanted to pick something other than hard ticket to Hawaii. I wanted to challenge myself. So I'm like, you brought up the mummy. I'm like, ooh, that might uh -oh. be good. Really bad. Then I wanted to go back to the comic book well again. Maybe Electra. I think Daredevil is more funny 
to laugh at than Electra. Electra's kind of boring. And then I thought of like the worst possible answer. I like remember this now. The worst possible one. Huh. You're not ready for this. You're you're gonna be shocked that I even know about this. Go ahead. Freddy got fingered. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, my college years just <laughs> flying by there for a second. Oh crap. Okay, um, so you A know about the world of green and then B want to enter it? <laughs> so hold on, let me give context. I just gotta breathe real quick. Oh god. Okay. Alright. Alright. <laughs> Who put this idea in your head? Alright, so when I was younger, right? Um oh, when I was a, really. I was a pretty I was a pretty bad kid. I was at my cousin's place, right? <clears throat> we were playing some Scarface on PS two. Um Oh, well, Scarface again. Look at that. All comes around. Yeah, it all comes around. Except it was the PS2 game. Um, they still did voice acting. Still got Pacino. Oh, that's insane. Um, so, they put on a movie, right? Or they have a movie going in another room. And it's this guy whipping a baby on an abelical cord in a delivery room around his head. And blood's going everywhere. I'm like, what? Uh-huh. What is this? And then there's Rip, and Rip Torn's in there, and he's got the finger gesture going. I'm like, okay. And that's been in my head right up until the present time. Just like, what is that? And then I saw, and then like a, like a few months ago, I, I caught a, like a really quick video. Maybe it was like a Red Letter Media video. And like, uh, and they were talking about Tom Green. I'm like, yeah, they had they had a review where Freddy got fingered. Oh my god! I'm just like, I'm gonna I'm gonna keep this in my back pocket, and then I forgot about it until now. <laughs> I knew you'd be surprised. I knew I I've heard about Tom Green. Um, I genuinely like Tom Green as a person, and not necessarily as a comedian. I was <laughs> I was the prime age for who he was, the prime age demographic for who he was gearing for on MTV when he was famous. He, um, he had a show in Canada that came to MTV, became a huge hit. He started ending yep. up in movies like, um, Charlie's Angels and Road Trip. Yep. Um, and he was dating Drew Barrymore. He got cancer and made a whole TV special about it. Um, he was an interesting guy in terms of the content he wanted to make and how he um, decided what would be seen by his audience um, before the internet. Before, like, he was he was really trying to be outrageous and, and provocative and stuff. Um, but for MTV. And he was juvenile. And he was talking about his bum and stuff like that, but I liked him as a person. He was Canadian, and he seemed genuinely nice. And over the years since he has not been as famous, he has made uh, consistent, uh, uh, 
consistently funny talk shows that have different from like the internet to like um, YouTube. There's there's been a couple on actual networks, and he's made other movies too. So he's still working and he still has money, and he's just a genuinely nice guy these days. But there's a reason Freddie got fingered was on review for Red Letter Media and not in the best of the worst. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't put it on the wheel of the bad, because I guarantee you, I don't know what the fuck you're going to say when you see this movie, Chris. <laughs> the first the first five minutes, he does something with a horse that I just, I don't, I I can't even say. <laughs> so I don't know how you're going to handle it. I mean, it's not all like, Daddy, would you like some sausage? No, like, stuff goes crazy. But the reason that it was on a review and not on Best of the Worst is because... <laughs> Freddy Got Fingered has actually aged quite well. It is... It, when you look at movies like There's Something About Mary or Dumb and Dumber or a lot of comedies that are just about men, chi- men children just like succeeding through life regardless of the shenanigans around them and they're fun and they're like Three Stooges or the Marx Brothers and they've been around forever and we all love it. Freddy Got Fingered basically pushes that man-child idea to its absolute extreme but the great thing about the movie is you talk about that scene with the umbilical cord yeah he walks into a random hospital room he births a baby he starts swinging it around there's blood everywhere people are freaking out it's loud it's annoying he rips he bites the umbilical cord off with his teeth like that's how he that's how the that's how the baby is separated from his mother and then he gives the baby to the mom and everyone's like oh thank you so much thank you so much for giving my baby. Oh, and they're all covered in blood. And it was the most horrifying thing you just saw. But they're like, thank you so much. And the baby's like, and it's like, that's the joke. The joke that it's like so extreme. It's so insane. It's actually like you want to like not be watching it and leave the movie. And then at the end, it works out. Because at like the end of the movie, Tom Green does something so batshit insane with millions of dollars in front of his dad. And then, for no reason, he looks at his dad, when his dad's like, why the hell did you do all of this? Why did you do this? And his son looks at him and goes, I just want you to be proud of me. And then Rip Torn goes, I'm always going to be proud of you. I'm your dad. And then the movie ends. There's no reason in the world he should have said that. But he did. It basically, Freddy Got Fingers is stepbrothers before stepbrothers. It's actually pretty ingenious. But, yes, it should go on the bad wheel because you have no idea what you're in store for when you watch <laughs> Freddy Got Fingered, Chris. Oof. Wow. That is, like, Zach just certainly be there for that episode, I'll tell you that much. <laughs> He's going to be stunned that I even brought it up. He'll probably be more stunned than you did. <laughs> I'm shocked. <laughs> okay, so it's either Daredevil, pretty got fingered, um, North, <laughs> or The Watcher. Oh man, pretty got fingered would be so crazy, dude. You like, I don't know what you would say. I ha- I have no idea what your response would be to that movie. Like now that I've given you the idea of what it is, sure, but like no one knew what the hell to make of it when it came out. Okay. <clears throat> Edit. Alright. So we're going to spin to see which of these four um, 
make it on the wheel here. Oh, man. Dude, I recommended national security last time. Oh, I remember. Do you want to remove Daredevil for that? No. Um. Thank you. (laughs) I think national security would be an interesting thing to talk about. I think it's hard to make fun of comedies, and it is technically a comedy. But I also just think it's, like, fundamentally flawed because your main character, Martin Lawrence, is just a huge jerk. Sure, he's racially biased, and you could make those points today. But at the same time, like the person he's making them to is not guilty of the things you're trying to say are systematic oppression. Like the cop, he's like Steve Zahn is not a bad cop. He's a good cop trying to do his job. And then Martin Lawrence was like, "Well, that's what happens to us every day." And it's like, "Well, don't do that in a comedy. Like make the guy <laughs> a jerk, make him a racist, make him learn. Like that's the whole point of All in the Family." Like, Archie Bunker learns. Okay, so, North, The Watcher, Daredevil 2003, and Freddy Got Fingered. I'm sorry, that title is so stupid. (laughs) It's such a provocative title. You just want to go into the theater. Um, Do you you know why it's called that? No. Do I want to know? It's pretty much exactly what you think it is. Okay, it's provocative. Um, I mean, it's not provocative. I mean, he's going around telling people that his dad fingered him. <laughs> oh, man, I hope it lands on it. Just to mess with Looking everybody. <laughs> All right, here we go. I'm spinning it. Ah, <clears throat> oh, dang it. It's not Freddy Got Fingered. It's the Sorry, Watcher. Keep that on the back burner for sure. The Watcher wins. Oh my god, dude. Wow. Alright. The bad movies. I'll Ooh. be honest, that's probably the one with the least amount of stuff to laugh at, but I guarantee you the stuff you'll laugh at, Chris, you'll thank me for. Okay. What in the world is that? Oh, it's a moth. There's a moth in my room. <laughs> my cat's looking at it <laughs> while well, he's doing that. Um, really? Yeah. Thomas, don't eat that. Um, okay, so the bad options on this wheel as of right now. The Last Airbender. Toys. Uh, yeah, The Last oh, Airbender. Toys, I hope it's toys. <sighs> the Holiday Special. The Star Wars Holiday Special is still on this wheel. It is why am I spinning this wheel? Okay, um... You know why. The Wicker Man? <laughs> Get to see Nick Cage punch a bunch of women in a bear suit. <laughs> Doom? Uh, it's Master of Disguise? Holy crap, Chris. Master of Disguise. Josh Trank's Fantastic Four from 2015. Oh, I'm sorry. I was watching Fantastic Four and I fell asleep. Whoops. Book of Henry's still in there. He shouldn't be in there. I'll just delete that. What? I swear, Uh I update this every time. Um, Bright? 
Oops. Uh, fairy lives don't matter today. Dragon Ball Evolution. That movie's goofy. Ready to Rumble. God, make my day. Um, oh, and you really want that. Howard the Duck. Yep, duck, duck boobies. Here's a shocker that I forgot about. It's already on the wheel, Alex. Hard ticket to Hawaii. Oh, wow, there you go. That must be the one we replaced Book of Henry with. Um, then, yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. That movie, you guys are really going to laugh when you watch that. You have no idea what that movie is. Rollerball. You guys have no idea what you're in store for Rollerball. <laughs> okay, that's the. those are the options. How? Okay, it seems like a small list, but okay. Oh my god. Oh my god. I, 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 my nerves are as wrecked as when I was watching the fallout. Oh, goodbye, Mission Impossible. You were too good to me. Now I gotta swallow a bullet. Here we go. You can... It was six weeks of good. Okay, five weeks of good movies. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say. We gotta take a. We gotta take our lickings. Okay, here we go. Dude. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <gasps> no, 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 no. <gasps> Oh boy, ladies and gentlemen, so, the first movie we will review, I think Thomas just ate the moth, no he lost it, okay, okay so the first movie, I'm sorry, Ed. the first movie that we will be reviewing after Mission Impossible is Toys. Oh my god, how did I know that you were going to say that? <laughs> I knew it! I knew it in my head. I was like, "Say toys." <laughs> say toys. It's Rick. toys. <laughs> watch, watch the trailer right now. We're gonna watch toys. Watch the trailer right now. Okay. <laughs> On toys movie. Oh my god, we're gonna watch toys. <laughs> oh my god, I can't explain this movie to you. Wrong oh, right? Okay. Okay, so this is toys. This is toys. Oh my god, Chris, I'm so happy. Robin You're Williams, gonna hate right? it. It's Robin Williams. Oh god. Okay, so Robin Williams is okay, so there's this very famous toy designer. We're talking Willy Wonka kind of famous as well as Willy Wonka type eccentric. Okay. He is dying. And he is leaving his toy factory to his brother who has worked in the militaries forever as a general. Why because he doesn't think his son or his daughter, Robin Williams and Joan Cusack, are ready to run the business yet. And then, and then I, I, there's a war between Christmas toys and military toys. There's a giant slug thing that almost kills Robin Williams. There's like games and drones that are teaching kids how to murder people. I, I, I there's an entire scene that's done in a box where people are shown as skeletons. I don't. Uh, LL Cool J is just running around hiding in couches. I don't. He's driving a car. He's driving a bumper car to a funeral. Okay, that's a toys trailer. Yep. There's a woman who looks like Phoebe Waller Bridge who is trying out VR. Oh, um, that's that's Robin Robin Wright Penn. I see. Um, a Wonder Woman and 
What does the army have to do with this? Dude, you don't even know. What is happening? Yep. Proper response. Okay, he just grew long legs. Yep. Oh my god. This is like small soldiers. Oh, now it just turned into a... It just turned into a Guardians of the Galaxy 2. Wait. Oh, that you're saying this movie's even... bad? Uh, you're saying this movie looks good? This movie doesn't look good, but it doesn't look... It looks like so bad it's good. Hans Zimmer did the music? Okay, so here's the thing, Chris. I... This movie has aged horribly. By the way, Dumbledore is the is the military guy, which I think is great. That's um, Dumbledore. Dumbledore, the later Dumbledore, yeah, the one that didn't die. Uh, so, oh my God, that's right. They do the same screen technique as they do in the Mission Impossible movie. That's the connection. Oh my God, that's awesome. Okay. <laughs> um, so this movie has aged terribly. Most people think this movie has aged terribly. I watched this movie a lot as a kid. I loved it as a kid and I will love it when I watch it this week but I also know it's pretty pretty its tone is weird is it's not a kids movie because Robin Williams has sex with this woman and you hear it it like people die like I don't know what like this movie its tone is everywhere I think that's the biggest issue and then also just there's crazy stuff there's crazy stuff in this Chris that I can't explain if you want to give the leeway that something like Willy Wonka is accepted but this isn't sure but there are also story choices that make no no sense at all you're gonna love this I don't I think this is gonna be a Willow situation you're gonna look at this and you're gonna be like people like this why do people like this (laughs) And yeah, people. This movie bombed when it came out, but it was on TV so much that kids my age have grown up to have seen it a bunch of times on HBO. All right. <laughs> it just looks like it's it's whimsical. It's stupid. It's it's like Robin Williams is funny at times, but then other times he just won't shut the hell up. Um, the movie in and of itself is just weird. The music is weird. There are some fun moments to it. Like it's not a it's not boring, I'll tell you that much. Something is always happening. <laughs> Whether or not it makes sense is up to you. Um, yeah, that's totally it. Oh, boy. Yep. Toys. Okay, I'm not going to lie. It was perfectly sandwiched between... Um, hold on, let me look here. That's why I was like really intense. I was like towards the end, because it's because sa- toys, I kid you not, is sandwiched perfectly between Last Airbender and the Star Wars Holiday Special. That wheel. This wheel is dangerous. It's being kind to you, dude. It's still dangerous. It played with my heart. Like it really <laughs> wants it. We're coming back to it and. Two weeks. Two weeks, so. so we're coming back to it. No, yeah, actually, no. Yeah. No, in two weeks, we'll be reviewing um, Surfer Teague and Friends Fear. Oh, yeah, so three weeks. So, I'm like, we'll yeah. 
So to go bad, good. Surfer team, bad? I guess. If we want to swallow two bad bullets at the same time. Depends on how bad Surfer Teen is, yeah. Oh, man. I really hope it's more bad than boring. I think it's going to be great. Oh, man. How was it meant to feel? (sighs) Okay. Greatest trailer ever. So you watched the trailer. I have not seen the trailer or anything. I've seen the trailer. It's bad. But also, that's not it. I'm so filled with emotions. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait. Oh dude, we're doing toys. Oh my god, man. We're doing toys. Um. All right, we're doing toys. So, next week, everybody, or next episode, toys. Get Ooh, ready. Ha. Ooh, ha. Thank you, Tom Cruise. Hello, Robin Williams. Um, yeah. Tom Cruise, you crazy son of a bitch, but you entertain us till the day you die. Hopefully that's later rather than sooner. Alright, say goodbye, Alex. Bye. Dude, what if I walk in next week and I'm, like, ready to rumble? Oh, yeah, okay, so... Good classic. Right, so we couldn't... We're going again. We're gonna do... We gotta do this again. So, we couldn't find toys um, streaming anywhere. Like, it's not on YouTube on a bootleg, it's not on Voodoo, it's not on Chris, Google Play are Movies. Doing, are we doing this again? We have, I have to, I'm sorry, because I'm so not going to have time to do it tomorrow. Time I know, because Microsoft Edge crashed, and I can't, Sweet. now I can't get this up. So I have to do this again, so we spun again. We spun again, and it landed on Ready to Rumble. Suck it, Zach. It was pretty exciting, and I'm, I wish we had that, because like Chris really dodged a bullet twice tonight. And I think we should all just take a second and recognize the life that you have before you see the special. It's, it's you know, it's fleeting. <laughs> it is very much so a fleeting you thing. Look- but also, I'm pretty sad that Toys isn't around anywhere, because people should see that movie. And uh, and now that the spoiler that I made in the last time that we recorded this, which is the second time we recorded it, which is not the time that we are recording now, it's the third time because we screwed it up twice, Joan Cusack is a robot in Toys. Thank you very much. <laughs> much in the same that the little girl in Fallen Kingdom is a clone. Um... Good comparison. That's exactly how it is. Like... Actually, you know what? The little girl sets the dinosaurs free in that, so she still does something. Yeah, and, and they set it up, too. They they set up enough for that to make more sense than the chicken toys. She There's no explanation for why she's a robot outside of her just being weird in the movie, and then at the end she gets blown up. And then they're like, oh my god, she's dead. And they're like, no, she's a robot. I'm like, why? And he's like, so I wouldn't be lonely as a child. And like, but you're an adult now. And he's like, yep. Merry mm-hmm. Christmas! Merry Christmas. We're doing Ready to Rumble. David Arquette. James Caan. Wait, no. Scott Caan. Scott Caan, sorry. I wouldn't make a big deal except James Caan is Sonny from The Godfather, and you should know that. I should. Um, But yeah, Scott Caan from uh, Ocean's Eleven. Um, And Hawaii Five-0, the reboot. Um, 
They yeah. were kept from Scream and one of my favorite little known horror movies of all time called Ravenous. Ravenous. Oh, uh, the more more people I can tell about Ravenous, the better. Ravenous has one of my favorite things in movies ever. When a hero has no choice but to jump off a cliff. Also, David Arquette has a nice little story after this movie. Well, yeah. you save it for the episode, you son of a bitch. Yeah, I will. I will save it for the episode. Better save it, because... It's super sweet, uh, too. I'm not going to do that much research on this movie. No, don't. Um, I'm going to do a amount of research, but if I run into something like super interesting like that, I don't think... Like, David Arquette loved wrestling. He loved wrestling. He took the job because he loved wrestling. He jumped into all the marketing that involved wrestling because he loved wrestling. Scott Conn just, like, you know, did whatever he, Scott Conn does. Yeah. But, Arquette was like, I'm in this, 110%. I love wrestling. I want to wrestle. Please let me wrestle. I want to wrestle. So, like, then they made a his involvement thing is pretty interesting. Also, he did it to uh, benefit the family of Owen Hart. So. I was there for that, so. I didn't. Wa- I wasn't at the stadium when it happened, but I was watching that night. Ah. Um, so, yeah, we're doing Ready to Rumble, not toys. That's all. I, that's all you need to know, so. There you go. Sad. It's sad. sad. We traded Robin Williams for David Arquette and Oliver Platt and Scott Kahn and uh, Diamond Dallas Page. Anyway, so this podcast will self-destruct for the third time in five seconds. <laughs>